Welcome to another special episode of the KBB Review Podcast, all about the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2021. We're officially counting down to the closing date for entries, which is Thursday, February the 18th. So if you haven't sent in your entries yet, you really do need to get a bit of a wriggle on. Remember, it's totally free to enter, and we have categories for the very best in kitchen and bathroom retail, including new businesses or enterprises started in the last 12 months, and one that couldn't be more relevant in the last 12 months, the Community Champion of the Year. Then we have the design categories, of course, that reward the very best kitchen and bathroom projects. But yes, I'm repeating it just in case. The closing date is Thursday, February the 18th, and there will be no extensions. Now, as we approach that closing date, most of you are busy putting your entries together. So this is the second of our two episodes where we meet one of our judges and pick their brains to find out exactly what they're looking for during that judging process and hopefully get some tips and hints on putting a great entry together. What jumps out at them when they look through all the entries? What are the details that appeal most? And what makes a good entry into a winning entry? In this episode, we meet a judge from our design categories in the shape of interior designer Roz Wilson. Now, she's a highly accomplished interior designer with an eponymous practice in London, and she is herself a double KBB Review Design Award winner. And don't forget to check out the previous episode where we met one of our business judges, Paul Crossley. But before we get stuck into that... An enormous thank you, as always, to our KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2021 podcast partner, and that's our good friends at Swift Electrical. Swift Electrical is the UK's number one big brand distributor of sinks, taps and appliances, and we really appreciate the support of all the very nice people there. You can find out all about their latest offers at swiftuk.co.uk or call a member of the Swift team. As I said, they're very nice. Right, let's meet another one of our judges now, this time from the design categories. And down the line, I hope we have Roz Wilson. Hello, Roz. Hi, Andy. Really good to be here. Fantastic. Thank you for sparing us a bit of time. For those that maybe are, are unfamiliar with you, you are a very accomplished interior designer with uh, an eponymous practice in Maida Vale in northwest London. Give us an idea of a bit of background here on the kind of projects that you get involved with professionally. The company is almost, we're turning 11 years old in a couple of weeks' time, which is terrific. And it feels like, gosh, it feels like yesterday we opened the doors. But we focus on top-end residential projects. And by no particular sort of marketing strategy, we've ended up having a lot of international clients from all over the world whose London homes we actually design. So our clients are from Kuwait, Singapore, also from London, from America, Beijing, and Spain and South Africa. So really... It's a fantastic experience to be able to design the homes of people with such cultural diversities because it means that we have that influence and we are it's not it's not being forced to look for different kinds of creative solutions but it's about you know obviously matching the brief to our clients so it does mean that we we interact well, we interactively kind of search for new products and innovation so that we can meet their brief at the end of the day so we've been doing that, as I say, for almost 11 years, and we've got a team of five of us here in our studio in Maida Vale, and it's great. really love it. For all your incredibly uh, impressive accomplishments, I think we all know that the greatest thing that's ever happened to you ever is winning a KBB Review Retail and Design Award. I think we all know that. We can all agree that, can't we, surely? <laughs> oh, you mean when Jimmy Carr pre- presented the two awards? Because that was a that's highlight. That's it. 
<laughs> exactly. And your husband takes a second place to that when you met him, I'm sure. That was a great, I couldn't believe it. I just remember when the first one was announced, I was like, this is fantastic. And then the second one, do you know what? That that It's unbelievable because that kitchen and that bathroom um, have been so popular. They always get so many likes whenever we use them on our Instagram. That kitchen in particular has been a real record breaker for us in terms of the awards, but also just popularity and kind of never really goes out of fashion, that one, which is awesome. So yes, you won the double. You uh-huh. this is two thousand. This is two thousand seventeen, and you were the winner in the the highest project cost categories for both kitchens and bathrooms. Fact for you, and this is in the last episode. That's only ever happened once before in the twenty seven years of the awards, right? In two thousand and fourteen. So you and Andrew Rizzo, who was the other one, you're two of a kind. No one else has done it apart from you. Brilliant. I, you know, I feel completely honoured to be honest, and I'm very proud of that moment. I must say. You know, as a designer, we do um, enter a number of awards. But what I really liked about that, those two awards is that we had to earn it. It didn't feel like something was given to you on a plate. You had to really go and understand your project and, and presenting it to the panel. It meant a lot that once you were awarded to the actual award, I felt we deserve this because, it. as I say, we had to work for it. We had to understand our projects, know our brief, and really go sell it to the judging panel felt like a good achievement and the the best award we've won as a company to be honest which is fantastic and now of course the poacher has turned gamekeeper and you are one of our judges and have been for the past few years as you say so we're now we want to get some insight into your mind into the mind of the judge to give some guidance and help and tips and advice to those out there that are putting entries together as we speak so let's start with the most obvious question how has being a judge changed the way that you would now enter a design competition? What have you learned from being one that you would take into the other? I mean, I think that when you set out to enter a particular award, you kind of think, okay, well, I'll have some pretty pictures of my project and I'll send it out there. And, well, I hope somebody likes the aesthetic, the look of the kitchen that I've designed. But really, there is so much more that you really got to go into that entry with knowing 360 sort of turnkey understanding of what your project was about. Um, You know, being on this judging panel for the last five years, you see that some people really know A, their aesthetics, or maybe they know quite a lot about the technical, or they want to give a little bit of background as to the materials. But really, you want to have a full understanding of the entire project. And I find that impressive. And I think that, you know, when you listen to the designers and they're so invested in having met the brief and, you know, understanding how, they're innovative, the products are, and they've gone the extra mile to go beyond the brief, and the clients are really happy. And in addition, it's the way that all those have entered will express going beyond and really making sure that their clients were happy at the end of the day. I think that's a really important part of it. And that comes through, it really comes through when they're speaking about the project. That's the first bit to start with here, isn't it? Because obviously you have hundreds of entries to plough your way through, which is great that so many people enter, but, you know, it's quite a daunting thing to get yourself through. So when you're going through those entries to begin with, what are you looking for? What's jumping out at you in just in that first pass through them, do you think? The first thing that comes up is the floor plan, but I'm going to say that I actually put that aside for a second and I, I go beyond that. I first go, let me let me read what they've said, because it's very easy for me as a designer to get distracted by the aesthetic and go, oh, my God, this looks amazing. I love it. This must be the winner. But I hold on that and I say, hold on a second. Let's just see what they know about their own project. How have they described it? Capturing the essence of the project in the words that, that you describe it will also show how 
committed you are and how enthusiastic about it because that enthusiasm is something that I really hold on to in terms of, of how the entries are presented. So I'll have a skim over and from that you can really get an understanding of how they were in tune with the functionality of, of the behind the scenes products that they've used. You know, it's not all about, you know, the extractor we've spoken about many times, but it's how what happens and the functionality behind it. Is it effective and efficient? And the different kinds of materials and what was the brief and did you meet that brief? And once I've got that on board, I go and look at the images because then I can really see, okay, fine. I'm not coming with the buyers. I'm coming with the objective view of, okay, good. They've met that. If I was the client and I'd be, and that was the information I just read and seen the visual, yeah, they've hit the nail on the head on this. Or maybe it's a little bit too bland or hasn't met the brief yet because that looks, what I've just read is completely opposite to what I'm visually seeing here. And you've got to take your time. There's a lot of information, but I think every entry is worth actually ironing through it and combing through it and finding the, you know, you learn a lot. Um, you know, I, as a designer, obviously we design kitchens all the time, but it's amazing how much you can also learn by the information that is fed back to you from a host of entries. Yeah, I think it's, it's important to stress always that aesthetics is only one of the criteria. And you're absolutely right. It's not just about the prettiest kitchen or the prettiest bathroom or the one that looks great. Because I think sometimes one's come up that, that they've got a kitchen in a converted cathedral or something, you know, and the, the backdrop is incredible. But the actual kitchen itself might be quite unremarkable. But the backdrop is so beautiful that you can kind of get dazzled by it. And I think that's that's where aesthetics versus, as you say, meeting the brief and understanding the products and all those things come in. A lot of it's about story and narrative to me, I always think. I think the projects with real narrative are the most interesting. The ones that can really describe why it is the way it is usually go quite far. I agree. I mean, isn't it subjective? Isn't it like a piece of art? You can look at a piece of art and go, oh, this is beautiful. It stimulates me in this way. And somebody could look at it and go, I can't bear it. And I think you're right. I think the successful kitchen is about, like you explained, you know, a cathedral and the backdrop is just so beautiful. It's sometimes not easy to allow the backdrop or the surroundings or the architecture of that that space to be what needs to come forward and allow yourself to maybe say, okay, the kitchen does not have to be all bells and whistles. It must function well. It must meet the brief. But, you know, let's choose how we're going to make this look really beautiful. And we don't have to make it scream with 20 features for every square foot. It just doesn't have to be that. And I think a really good designer will understand that and will take that on board and will make the kitchen work from a holistic point of view. Not just the point of view, okay, well, we have an island, we need some, you know, taps and an oven and a harbor, we need some extraction and we need, it's good to always try push your boundaries, think out the box and contextualize the, the, as I say, the surroundings and the space to make it work. Now let's talk about project cost because obviously we divide our categories up by project cost and we ask a lot of our judges when it comes to interpreting that because it's a very difficult thing to conclude. We rely on you as experts to distinguish between whether or not the cost of that project has been spent wisely. It's very easy to spend money without it being particularly creative but equally making a great looking project out of lower budgets requires a lot of skill. Yeah, we could debate this for hours, this topic, it's, <laughs> and we've seen it. It's remarkable. I think we've had a couple of uh, examples of this uh, along the way where we've seen a budget which is relatively conservative and what they got for that was unbelievable. And you go, how did they make this happen? How did they make this happen? You want to call them aside and go, can you give me some you know, inside tips on that? Because, hmm. yes, creativity plays, uh, you know, it's, it's a very important part of it. And being clever and understand, I mean, isn't that predominantly in terms of 
what the client will bring their designer on for, creativity, value for money, especially these days. Sure, if you're getting your 100 grand kitchen versus your 30 grand kitchen, you should be getting a lot more for your money, and you should. Yeah. I always think, though, that whether you've got a 100 grand kitchen or a 30 grand kitchen, that represents the most money you've got to spend. It's not like someone who can afford 100 grand has got 30 grand. 30 grand is a lot of money. 30 grand is still a lot of money. I mean, 100 grand's a load of money, but 30 grand is still a lot of money to spend on a kitchen. And I think if, if that's your kitchen, that represents an enormous outlay, an enormous cost for you and you expect no less when it comes to design and creativity i think to be honest even the lowest categories is not really the, the cheapest it shouldn't be viewed as well you know going to scrape by on this budget because that it isn't one of the criteria here is value for money no matter how much money you've got you've got to have spent it wisely now the kbb review retail and design awards are special and you've already alluded to it because we have this second round of judging we have the shortlisting and then the shortlisted finalists present their projects to the judges in person. Now, this year it might be via Zoom, but they still have to do that presentation to the judges. How much do you think you change your mind about projects between those two stages? Oh, such a good question. Because when I go through the entries, I kind of, then there are quite a lot to go through, and you kind of get, you come down to about 20 of them. And then you go back through about 20 of them, and you go, hmm. There always seems to be, for me, a clear winner. And then you kind of fumble around the rest going, mm, hold on a second, I'm really not sure. And to be honest, Andy, I, I would say I flip about twice. It's not radical. It's not like, oh, my God, I think I'm not sure. I'm uncertain. But around about twice, I do kind of flip. But there's always, in for my mind, there always seems to be or come through a clear winner. It's what happens to, you know, position number two, three, four, you know, that I find is tricky. It's just always interesting to me that is to have that opportunity for the judges to go, well, why did you put that there? Or how much was that really? But what really comes out for me in, in the presentation stage is what back and forth they've had with the client, what compromises they've had to make. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I mean, in terms of value for money, in terms of the budget, in terms of the brief, I think it's quite good also to assess how they steer that because – I think as a designer, you really do need, you, you, you know, you can't be controlled entirely by your client because you could find that you're on this project for three years because you, you're putting no measures of, of control on the decision changes that are made by the client. And, there, and effectively, you're there for one of many reasons, that being a reason, is to take the brief and then guide them along. So I think it comes about with the confidence of their design and the passion of their design, that once you portray that and give that impression to your client, you kind of have them in the palm of your hand because it's trust that you build up. And so off they go with, with, with what your recommendations are. And in that way, you get, I think, outstanding results when that, that element of trust is built up between you and your client. Ros, we could talk about this for hours, couldn't we? But the clock has beaten us. But thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate time here today, obviously. But also for all the judging you do for us, it is a real commitment. You do have to sit there for a very long time going through all the entries and then spend time listening to all those presentations. So thank you very much for all that. The closing date is February the 18th, so your work will start after that. So thank you again, and we'll, we'll catch up and speak very soon. Look forward to it, and look forward to the judging panel by Zoom. Either way, it's going to be a great year, I'm sure. Thanks, well, Speak soon. Thanks, Andy. That was Ros Wilson, one of our design judges at the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2021. And there were some real gems in there for you if you're putting entries together. Excellent advice. 
Don't forget, the closing date is Thursday, February the 18th, and all the info you need is at kbbreview.com forward slash awards. And that link is in the episode description. I'll see you next time.